So good to see everybody here. Welcome to those joining us online as well. It's going to be an awesome evening. Already oh, is an awesome evening. We, uh, we're starting a great new series called Family Recipes. And I have the honor of being able to start that series. We're going to be continuing that on the weekend services and continuing that on Wednesday nights. And we have, we believe, some good nuggets, some great in-depth teaching from God's Word about building healthy families. And so we appreciate, yeah, taking attention, paying attention to that and learning some things. And, you know, even if you're uh, single, even if you're on your own now too, sometimes you think, well, you know, it's just about marriage or it's just about kids. There's something for everybody here. These are principles that you can apply to any situation, any relationship that you were involved in, in family relationships. And God wants us to have a healthy family. But before we get started on this series, I just appreciate if you would indulge me for a few moments. Bonjour, mesdames et messieurs. Welcome to Cooking with Jean-Pierre. I am your host, Jean-Pierre. Okay. Good. Good. Mm-hmm. I have an amazing recipe for you tonight from the great master chef, my mentor, Jim Rion. You may know him as Pastor Yim. But... He has prepared a great recipe with four ingredients from the Bible that when you put them together, they make a wonderful, mm, tasty family. They are affection, communication, conflict resolution, and honor. So pay attention tonight. We have a wonderful word for you. And if you mix these all together in the right way, it will be delicioso. Are you ready? Bon appétit. That's what four years of French got me. All right. All right. right. Lighting good? Okay, we're good. The Bible talks a lot about food. A lot about food. There are thousands of references about food in the Bible. You're going to get hungry as we're talking about this, but as you're hungry for physical food, I want you to be hungry for spiritual food. We're going to dig into God's Word and get some good spiritual food tonight. And this is something that even if it may not be something for you at this very moment, you're going to be able to take this and to use it later. Now, have you ever noticed when you're out to eat that the conversation very often turns to food. There's something about food that inspires us to talk about even more food. Eating triggers that, those thoughts about experiences that we've had and we make comparisons. And we all have food memories. Sometimes those smells mm, just take you back, right? You're thinking of it right now, aren't you? Think of your favorite food smells, your food memories. You think about the smell from the kitchen when you were growing up and how you couldn't wait for the dish to come out of the oven. Oh, yeah. You know, we have several family recipes that have been passed down from grandparents and parents. 
And now the recipe cards and the old recipe books are tattered a little bit and they have stains because what happens when you're messing around in the kitchen, right? Things spills on them and maybe sometimes we even had to recopy a few of them as well. But sometimes no matter how much you try, you can't just get that one favorite recipe right. Nobody can do it like mama did it, right? You always have a little trouble, but those memories are very important. When I got to Texas, now not just anywhere in Texas, we're in South Texas, right? South Texas is a different flavor from North Texas. I recognized several things from my childhood. I actually grew up in Los Angeles area. Now, I tell people I was, I'm not quite from East L.A. I'm from Far East L.A., a little bit outside <laughs> of that area. But I grew up around Hispanic culture, so San Antonio was a, a warm environment for me. I loved the tortillas and the tacos, and I learned about barbacoa here, all those favorite things, and really learned to indulge and love the food. And we all have our favorites. But sometimes when we're indulging in our favorites, sometimes we get unhealthy food. Sometimes we call it comfort food, right? It sounds better if we call it that. I'm just going to have some comfort food today. Had a bad day. Because when we're in a hurry, when we only want comfort, sometimes we settle for the unhealthy food or recipes for our family. But God wants our family to be healthy, and he has a recipe for a healthy family, and it's found all throughout his word. And here's an example from the Bible about God's intent for our lives. This is from Isaiah 55, 2. Again, one of those passages that talks about food. It says, Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. And God promises that if we follow his recipe, we will enjoy the finest food. And this has an application to physical food. It is talking about that but also to spiritual food, that God has the best for us physically and spiritually. He knows us. He created us. He wants the best that's going to build our bodies and our minds and our spirit and make us a complete person. So since we're talking about recipes tonight, let's begin by learning how to follow a recipe. Now, many of you love cooking shows. A lot of fans of cooking shows out there. There are millions of people in America are watching cooking shows all the time. Personally, I'd prefer to see some eating shows. You know, I'm not as interested personally in how things are put together. I'm just ready for when it's done, just how it tastes, the eating part. It's actually frustrating for me to watch a cooking show because you can't smell or taste anything. How could you deal with all that amazing food and not be able to taste it? You know, one of these days, maybe they'll have taste vision or smell of vision. We're not quite there. Or even better, they're going to learn to teleport the food right in front of us, right? That'd be even better. So we can all dream. But regardless of reviews about cooking or cooking shows, they all have one thing in common. They all follow recipes. And what is a recipe? A recipe is a plan. A recipe is a foundation. It's a starting point. And so following a recipe, you have to have a plan. There's a verse in Luke 14, 28. I'm going to mention a lot of scripture tonight, too. So if you're taking notes, too, not all these are in the uh, the official notes, but I'm going to throw out some other ones for you, too. Luke 14, 28 talks about this in plain terms. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and aren't able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. They have to start with a good foundation. You have to start with a plan. Start with the blueprints. Then another important thing about recipes is that you have to follow the instructions. If one ingredient is missing... The entire dish can lose taste. Have you ever fixed something and then you realize that 
I thought I had it right, but then you realize, oh, yeah, I'm missing this. Or maybe you tried a recipe, and you're like, okay, it's going to be close. Even I'm too tired to go to the store right now. I'll just put together with what I have. And, you know, it just doesn't turn out quite right because it takes all the ingredients to bring out the flavors of the others. They work together for specific results. Now, we learned this. We learned a very key lesson at home just last week. We're try- we always experiment with some new eating plans, and we're trying some, uh, some different flowers. And I love waffles. Waffles is my favorite thing. Waffles are one of my favorite foods. I just love it. We've invested in an amazing waffle iron that's about this big, and it makes these really deep Belgian waffles. You're getting hungry right now, right? And then we can, and so uh, it's very high speed, you know, one you see on the cooking shows. And so we're experimenting with some different kind of flowers. And so we found out there's these vegetable flowers out there. You know, we thought, well, maybe a little more healthy. Let's try something a little different. And, you know, the instructions say that, you know, you just substitute that flour for wheat flour, you know, or regular mixes. And so we mix it up from scratch and put it all together. But the recipe in this case called for cassava flour. Now, I didn't even know what cassava flour was until about two weeks ago. <laughs> Something totally new. And most of you are like, what? So, and then now when we went to the store and we found out that cassava flour is very expensive, like a bag like this, about $14. So very expensive. And so, you know, we did a little re- I had done a little research beforehand, and I found out there's also a flour called tapioca flour. Now, tapioca you think of as pudding, but tapioca flour and cassava flour, I checked, their, checked the ingredient list very, you know, very carefully on the back of the packages, and they both come from the same plant. So I thought, okay, it's got to be the same thing. You know how marketing is. A lot of times they'll advertise different things, but it's really the same thing in different grades. So I thought, you know, same plant, same thing, less price, done too easy you know it was like three dollars for a bag instead of fourteen dollars for a bag it was like too easy so we made the recipe the next day we were so excited we're getting ready to see how it turned out now it mixed well we put it in the waffle iron and i saw something happen i hadn't ever seen happen before i wish i had a video of this the waffle iron this is a heavy duty waffle iron it puffed up so high it was about like this almost a over 45 degree angle now i should have been worried you know it was going to explode or something but (laughs) But I was just amazed. I was like, oh, it's got to be even better because look how fluffy, look how amazing this is with how much it's puffing up. And so we, you know, we got it out. It came down a little bit. We got it on the plate. And something interesting happened when we got it on the plate. All of a sudden, it's like someone poked it and the air went out of it. It's like, woo! And so, okay, well, it still looks like a waffle. I'll try most anything. So we ate it. And, you know, it's kind of... Tastes okay, but kind of dense and, you know, a little tough there too. You know, it was great, huh, honey? Right? Yeah, a little rubbery. That's okay, you know. <laughs> but we learned a valuable lesson that next, next that uh, not to cut corners. And the next week we went back and we got the cassava flour and it turned out just fine. It turned out just fine, just the way it was supposed to be because I followed the exact direction. So made a rookie mistake trying to save money, trying to cut some corners, and it didn't turn out like I expected. We had to wait another week longer. Now, I say we had to wait a week. We kind of have a Saturday tradition about, about doing those things. But another important point about, uh, about recipes, in addition to following the instructions, is that you have to prepare. You know, you should, when you have a, a great recipe that you're working on, you have to start by making a list, shopping, gathering ingredients. It's so much easier to have someone do this for you, though, isn't it? Wouldn't it be great just to have the personal shopper? You know, but if you want the freshest ingredients, then you have to go to a fresh market. 
There, these are very common if you've traveled outside the United States. They're more common than you see here. There's a few around here, but think about in some cultures, they go to the fresh market almost every day to get their fresh ingredients. And so this is something where they plan, they prepare, they want to make sure you have everything together, and you have to make sure you gather all the right things and have everything ready. Now, there's some of you who probably get in the kitchen and just, you know, I can just throw things together and see what happens. You know, there's probably some bachelors here. You only have like a jar of mayonnaise in the fridge and you got some ramen in the pantry. But some of you, you know, like to experiment with ingredients. And I do that occasionally. But as I mentioned already, it usually doesn't turn out quite the same. The best recipes, the best dishes turn out by having planning and the ingredients have been gathered ahead of time and intentionally. And that's the way that the best relationships are made. The best relationships are made from planning, from preparation, from being intentional about your interaction with another person. Now, in marriage relationships, most couples think that things are just going to hum along and happen naturally. So many people come to us as pastors for pastoral guidance or go to counselors for counseling when things are already broken. You know, if they'd only done some planning, if they'd only come to us ahead of time like you're doing now for some learning, for some teaching, it's much more enjoyable to deal with someone to talk about and guide and do the preparation and the planning process than in dealing with someone who's broken. Now, it's important too. I'm not saying at all that we're not going to deal with anybody like that. We are here for everybody, no matter what your situation. Some people just didn't have the benefit of good teaching. They didn't have the benefit of good examples. And so we work with people in all situations. God is here to help in every situation. But think about as you gain knowledge, how much better it will be when you plan and prepare for how to interact in relationships. Even if you're in a broken relationship right now, you can put these principles into practice and get back on a better track. Amen? that you can get back on another path and get back to the way that God intended it, intended it to be. But a lot of married couples just kind of get into the relationship, think it's just going to hum along and, and they're going to agree and get along just like they were when they were dating. And we have to realize that all relationships in between all family members take work and preparation. You know, we put energy into our, into our schoolwork. We put energy into our jobs. But sometimes people don't think about Let's put some energy into our relationships, our marriage relationships, relationships with kids, with our other family members. There is always learning that we can be doing. And so think about applying the same effort in our relationships that we do in some of our other areas of life. The Bible says that um, we shouldn't just stay in the infant state. Instead of, just, uh, instead of just wanting milk all the time, like for babies, we want to crave more spiritual food. And so we always be seeking to learn and develop and to grow. And if we mess up, God is there to pick us up and help us again. So to help us in our relationships, let's get to those four points that we talked about or ingredients for a healthy family. And to begin with, here's a foundational verse for marriage, which is the foundation of the family. This is in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. This is a little-known verse. Malachi, it's at the very last chapter of the Old Testament, chapter 2, verse 15. It says, this is talking uh, to Israel, but it it makes application to the family as well. It says, didn't the Lord make you with one wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Hear this point. What does God want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Now, in all biblical passages, there's a, uh, most biblical passages, there's a, a 
a literal meaning there too, which is talking about relationships, and it's also talking about the relationship of the nation of Israel or Christians. You can apply that too to God at the time. But what is God? He wants us to produce offspring. He wants us to tell other people about him, produce other Christians. But in the family, literally, he wants us to set a good example, to plan our relationships, and then in a marriage relationship especially, to produce godly children. And it says, guard your heart. So one way to do that, affection. Let's talk about affection. Ephesians 5.25 is a classic verse in the Bible. Uh, here's some other things that you can take notes on and read. Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 are, is a great passage that talks about the family, talks about husband-wife relationships and the family. Another reference with some similar teaching is in Colossians chapter 3. So Ephesians 5 and 6 in Colossians chapter 3. But here it simply says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the later of the chapter it says, Love your wife as your own body. Now, it's interesting it talks to men first. Now, it does go on in the chapter to talk about wives and talks about mutual respect for one another, but it leads with men. Interesting. The Bible knows that men typically are more self-centered than women. Some of you probably agree with that. And so it asks men to take a look at themselves first and to take the lead. A lot of people look at this passage and think about, oh, it's just saying that men are stronger and, and, and always going to dominate women. But here, it's, I think it's another aspect you can look at is that it's, hey, men, I need to get your attention, okay? Focus on me. You need to look inward and not be so consumed with yourself. And so he gave an example here of something that most men could relate to. Hey, guys, you know, take care of your wife like you would take care of your own body because you're certainly going to take care of yourself, right? So look at applying that to that other special person in your life. Then 2 Peter chapter 1 mentions qualities that we should all have as we strive to love one another and, and to, uh, to share with one another and develop good godly relationships in all areas. It applies to all Christian relationships. There's a whole list there of qualities in 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 7 says, godliness, have godliness, mutual affection, and then add to mutual affection, love. So that's where we get this principle of affection. Now, affection should be mutual and appropriate. It should be respectful and comfortable, and it's very natural to show affection between family members in an appropriate way. Spouses show affection to each other, parents to children, children to parents. Love is patient and love is kind, as 1 Corinthians 13 states. Another, again, a great chapter on love and relationships, and love is the foundation. There's a popular book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, which describes five specific ways that people typically prefer to give and receive love. And it's helpful to understanding one another. I'm just not going to get in depth on this particular teaching. If anybody's curious about this, we could uh, give you more information about this. It's called the five love languages. And they're, number one, physical affection. Number two is quality time. Again, the ways people like to give and receive love. Receiving or giving gifts. Acts of service in doing something for somebody else. And then words of affirmation. Now, typically we know that men have a stronger need for physical affection than women. Not that women don't, but men express it more, men are more open that way, and we'll talk about needing uh, physical affection. Also, men strongly respond to words of affirmation, being appreciated, told that they're handsome and that they're strong, you know, all those kind of things. You know, words of affirmation seem, seem to mean more to a man than a woman. Sometimes, I'm getting on a tangent here, but sometimes you can... <laughs> 
You can give a compliment to a woman. I've done this with my wife, you know, many times from early on. And she says, oh, you're just saying that or you're not sincere. I say, no, I really mean it. But sometimes I think it's harder for women to accept those compliments. But men, we'll eat it up. Men love those compliments. You know, I've always thought about this. Think about, for those of you who have, have, a, have a son, you know, when, when your boy was a little boy, think how moms in a healthy relationship treat a little boy. Man, they are just all over that little boy and loving him, and he is the greatest and can't do no wrong, and the grandparents are loving on him. If a wife would treat her husband like that, wow. <laughs> Think what you would get. Think about the attention, okay? <laughs> Try it out sometime, okay? Get some good results. Now, for women, quality time and acts of service in surveys, women generally say that they respond more just to being together having that quality time together and then having doing something for someone or having something done for them. And so uh, think about all those things. Think about that's part of the learning. Know your spouse, know your children, know your other family members and know how they respond. They're, even in teaching, we have several teachers here too. You know that there's different learning styles for kids. And sometimes you have to modify and you have to customize your teaching style to be able to, to minister or to teach them to be able to receive it. Now, speaking of quality time, here's a very interesting verse. I love this verse. This is from Deuteronomy 24.5. Deuteronomy 24.5. And it's, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. It says this is uh, giving uh, in the law where it's instructions for Jewish men at the time. It says, if a man is recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. Now, that's very interesting, and I'm from, I've been in the military, so that one speaks to me especially, that attention is very important, but God knew that the foundation for a relationship, especially a marriage relationship here, was so important that even in that warring culture where they were always at war and the warriors were going out to fight all the time, and there's typically even, it talks about David going out to a season of war, that even in that time, he said it was so important that a young husband needed to stay home with his wife for one year to be free from other major responsibilities and safety, to be able to, um, to take care of her, to build a foundation, also to produce children. And that was a part, of a part of their culture and society. But even then, they paused and realized that building that foundation was very important. Okay, affection. Point number two is communication. Communication, all right. We live in the age of, <laughs> we live in the age of instant communication. But what are we really saying? More people seem to be talking than listening. Everybody wants a forum to be able to tell their story, to be able to give their opinions. And communication courses say that good communication involves both talking and listening. Communication, true communication, is two-way. You're not, you're not communicating if nobody receives it or nobody, nobody listens to it. And so think about communication has to go both ways. And sometimes we don't leave room for our family members to talk back. Sometimes there is an appropriate way to be able to set the stage and to set the tone to be able to foster and allow good communication. Now, many people are concerned with their own thoughts and opinions, but a relationship involves two people and two perspectives generally. And let's think about a marriage relationship. Now, falling in love and then a marriage is actually re the result of a very intricate communication process. That sounds romantic, huh? Getting married and all that dating process is very scientific, and people have analyzed this. Now, 
When my wife and I were dating, whether we knew it or not, there was a process. I had to woo her. Woo-woo, right? We had to, there's that weird word, woo. We have to, you want to get her attention. You want to do special things for her to get her, to let her know that I cared about her. Now, essentially, we had to convince each other about the idea that our greatest future happiness would be found in the union of our two lives together. And so we were really trying to sell each other on the idea that we were the one for each other. And that's a process that happens. And now, that process included phone calls, letters. Yes, we actually wrote these things called handwritten letters. That was before text messaging. And then conversations on many topics, giving gifts, smiles, holding hands, maybe some kissing. We were at a Christian college, but yes. So we sent clear signals to each other that we wanted to be together, that we always wanted to be together, couldn't wait for the next moment to be together, to be around each other, to engage in that communication and in that process. And what happened was there was talking and listening. There was giving and receiving. Now, sometimes what happens in a relationship after a few weeks, after a few months, after a few years, communication suddenly stops sometimes. And that's where relationships get broken, when that communication ends. Poor communication can easily destroy relationships. And we have to be very careful with our words, and the tongue is very powerful. Proverbs 15, 1 through 4, and this is in your notes, it says, it gives some good guidance for positive communication. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And again, so it gives the positive and then it gives the negative side. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool, hear this the way it's phrased here, belches out foolishness. Sounds embarrassing, right? It doesn't sound good. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So the emphasis here is on being gentle, being kind. And we have to keep this in mind and avoid poor communication. We need to beware of harsh criticism. Relationships usually begin with compliments. It's all about the compliments in the beginning, right? It's all about praising one another. Why do we lose that sometimes? You know, the real self comes out when we get stressed, when we get in the heat of the battle, when we get under deadlines and commitments and responsibilities. But it's so easy to forget the foundation of where we began. Some constructive criticism is okay, but it should be combined with praise. And this works with children as well. Don't insult or embarrass one another, especially not in public. Don't do that in public. You know, in the military even, we learn that, you know, it's not good to single somebody out in public to when you wanted to really correct somebody. You know, it's okay, better to take them aside. Or, you know, there's the, uh, the enlisted and officer dynamic too. You know, a good enlisted soldier would learn to take his officer or lieutenant aside and say, hey, sir, I think you could fix this. But, you know, you wouldn't call each other out in a public setting. You know, you wouldn't want to embarrass your family members in that way. Don't insult your children. Treat them with fairness and respect. Beware of emotional outbursts. Remember that you don't always have to be right. Examine the tone of your words, how things come across. And if communication has broken down in your home, maybe for some of these reasons, ask God for help to repair and restore. And we need continual learning and instruction. We can learn from God's Word and put it into practice. 
So now we come to our third point. If communication is broken down, then we need some conflict resolution. That means negotiation. It means uh, being diplomatic with one another. Colossians 3, 13 and 14 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. There is the essence right there of conflict resolution, how to fix arguments, how to repair broken relationships. It starts with forgiveness. Here's another classic verse in Ephesians 6.4. This is mentioned a couple times in Scripture. Ephesians 6.4, it says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children or don't frustrate them in another version. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And that's related to what I was talking about, about the poor communication, about not exasperating them. Now, children do need correction sometimes. Children need correction Sometimes we have to point out something to our spouses even too, but there is a better way to do it. There is a right way to do it. And gentleness and forgiveness comes into play because when we lose it sometimes, you know, we all have a bad day. Sometimes even coming to church on Sunday morning or whenever you come to church, sometimes things have not been going well. Sometimes people are arguing with their family right up until they come in the door. You know, there's a typical... You know, they've been arguing with each other, and they enter the door, and it's like all of a sudden, oh, hello, brother, hello, sister, everything's just great. How you doing? They get back in the car and resume arguments later on. <laughs> but when conflicts come, and they will, we will have to learn to talk, to listen, to seek to understand the other person, find out what good communication really looks like, and that helps minimize conflicts. And so, again, we're going to make mistakes, but we have to humble ourselves and ask the person for forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness and start over. And it is possible to get on a new path to restore those broken relationships, but it takes both people in that process of giving and receiving, talking and listening. And when we disagree, we have to respect one another. When people are hurt, it's often our nature to strike back. Think about a wounded animal. There's a principle of a wounded animal will strike back. And so when people are hurt, the natural tendency is to get defensive to be able to strike back and maybe hurt somebody else. And sometimes we have to hold back. We have to say, okay, I'm just going to hold my feelings in. Even if I think I'm right, even if I think I'm right, I'm just going to hold it right now. I'm going to think of a better way to interact. And then even with children, it takes courage to admit that we're wrong sometimes. That's a hard one, to admit to our kids that we were wrong and to be able to just say, please forgive me, help me to go on. And, and uh, as our kids get older, we can interact with them in that way too. And Ultimately, as in 1 Corinthians 13, love conquers all and is the foundation of forgiveness. So the fourth point, after conflict resolution, how do you restore things? How do you restore things, especially when you're coming from that broken state and trying to rebuild a relationship? This principle is so important, the principle of honor, honoring one another, respecting one another. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And this is one of those passages. It truly applies to any relationship. Honor one another above yourself. The Bible tells us in many places to put other people first, to seek the interests of others first. And that's a hallmark of Christianity, is that we are seeking the good of others above ourselves. We're able to put our personal needs aside and our personal desires because we believe that people are so important that ultimately they need the love of Christ. They need the love of Jesus. 
And it all starts with honor. Now, many traditional marriage vows include the phrase, I promise to love, honor, cherish, obey. Obey used to be in there, but for some reason that's disappeared now. That's another sermon. But here it's talking about love, honor, and cherish. To honor someone means to hold them in high respect or to revere them, to show a courteous regard for. One definition even means to worship. You know, even in poems that are written about love, it even talks about how they worship one another, right? Worship, there's a phrase, I worship the ground she walks on. You know, that, that's the sense of honor. You know, number one, we should worship Jesus. But, but think about honoring our spouse in that way where we are putting them on a pedestal, realizing that they are not perfect, but we want to take care of them. And then basically, all this means is that you should strive to make everyone in your family feel special. That's what honor means. How can you go out of your way today to make everybody feel special? I fall short of this all the time. But even as I'm studying these, these scriptures again and renewing my heart and spirit, it's just a constant reminder to think about how can I make my family feel good today? How can I lift a burden from them? How can I take something off of them? And you learn that when you give, it's amazing how others give back to you. That's a spiritual principle with how God interacts with us. That God is here, He will never leave us or forsake us, and that it's amazing that when uh, God uh, sees us reach out to Him, He gives even more back to us. He is always there for us, and He responds in that way as a loving Father. Then a classic verse about honor, just to add to your tool bag here too, is from Deuteronomy 5.16. This is reiterated in the New Testament in a few places. It says, Honor your father and mother. That's actually in the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother as the Lord God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord God is giving you. And that's unique among the commandments because there's a promise that comes with that. It says, if you do this, honor your father and mother, then this follows that this is going to happen to you. So if you honor your father and mother and can apply that to other family relationships as well, you may live long and it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, let me make a psychological connection here. This has been proven in some studies. Make a connection here from the Word that what happens, you know, why would we have long life from honoring our mother and father or honoring our family members? Maybe it's a no-brainer that if there's less stress in your life, less conflict, less just crazy stuff going on, and less stress in our life, then our bodies typically live longer when there's less stress. Yeah, sometimes there's diseases that we can't control or other influence, influences, but in general, with less stress on our bodies, we tend to live longer. And if where there's more honor, if there's more harmony, if there's good communication in a home, it can contribute even to better health. It's in the Bible, right there. Again, so that is a contributing factor that can help to be able to contribute to our well-being on life. And we can't control everything that comes in life. We're an imperfect world. But again, it's worth putting it into practice and giving it a chance. In 1 Corinthians 13, I keep coming back to that. We call that the love chapter often. It talks about the definition of love. It's a great guide for how to honor one another. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Things we can do, things we can put into practice every day. And one more, Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Many of you may have heard about that, but the fruits of the Spirit, meaning the evidence of the Spirit, the evidence that God is working in your life, that there is, uh, that there is proof that you belong to Him. These are the qualities that we should have. Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, there's that word again, and self-control. That relates to conflict resolution and good communication as well. So think about those scriptures. Think about the tools we've given, here to, given you here today and how to mix these ingredients together for a healthy family. And everyone longs for a healthy family. No one sets out in life and says, I just want conflict, I just want hardship, I just want arguments in my household. Nobody asks for that. Everyone starts out wanting a healthy family. And again, even if you're single and technically on your own, you can apply these principles to your extended family, to your closer relationships, or your future family. Maybe you're looking at this list of ingredients and you're missing one. Maybe you're missing all of these. God wants to give you hope, as mentioned in Isaiah 55, that if you follow His recipe for a healthy family, you will enjoy the finest food. He says, listen to me. Listen to me. I want your attention. And you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. And again, he's talking about physical food, physical pleasures. He's talking about spiritual food, the best that he has to offer, the best wisdom, the best guidance, the best learning and teaching that he has to offer. And God has a full banquet in mind for you and your family. And the book of Revelation that talks about the end times, it pictures us sitting down in heaven at a huge banquet. There's that food imagery. A huge banquet with all wonderful things set out before us that we can take advantage of. And He wants good things for us. He wants to, as He prepares this banquet in mind for us, God can remove the bitter ingredients. God can remove the unhealthy ingredients and replace them with good-tasting, healthy, wholesome ingredients. He's done the shopping for us. He's done the preparation for us. He has the ingredients here. We just have to reach out, taste and see what is good, the Lord says. We can reach out and put them together and come together for a delicious, healthy family. And so think about today, which ingredient, if you add it today, will build a healthy family? What can you take home and put into practice? Is it affection? Does your family need more love, more care, more physical affection? Does your family need better communication? Probably all of us. Do you need help with resolving conflicts? Maybe you came here today and your household was just a mess emotionally. Maybe you're still a wreck emotionally. It happens. I guarantee you there's someone in here who is a wreck emotionally. Not to make you feel bad, but to make you feel hope. That there is hope today for God's Word. That you can come and lay your burdens at God's feet. And He can heal. And He can cleanse and get a start again. This is what God wants us to do. Say, I know you're messed up people. Come to me and lay it at my feet. Maybe you could use some honor in your life. Try to honor someone in your family today, tomorrow, and see what a difference it makes. They may walk a little taller. They may hold their head higher. They may accomplish some things that you thought they couldn't accomplish. When you show that you love someone and that you have trust in them and really value them and care about them, it's amazing what they can accomplish. And when a family is doing that for each other, look out. We are going to build healthy families that are going to accomplish God's purpose. So God has already identified an ingredient for you. Commit today to identify and add the ingredient that you need in your life today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your power in your word, that you've given us words of life and words of hope. So many things, Lord, so many things. We're all coming 
for healing. We're all coming to get hurts fixed. Lord, fix us up today. Help us to identify where we have shortcomings and not to dwell on that, but know that that we can come to ask for forgiveness. We can go to someone else and ask for forgiveness if we've hurt somebody, if they've hurt us, Lord, to give it to you. Sometimes people may have hurt us in the past and they're not even around for us to talk to anymore, but let us let those things go. Let us give it to you and just move on in the future knowing that there is a better way for living. And as we take in your learning here today and you will heal hearts and marriages and relationships, we know there are people here today, there are children who are at odds with their parents. There are adults who haven't spoken to their parents in years. There are families that are at odds on a daily basis. There are relationships that have been separated. There are marriages that are separated and pending divorce. We pray that your healing power will be at work now in people's relationships. Bind them together, Lord. Build a family of God that is here to be strong, to support one another, to go out and tell other people about you, Lord. We are just imperfect people serving you, but heal our hearts. Help us to get a new start here today. We know you help us to put this learning into practice in our lives every day. Teach us every day what it means to serve you. In your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Appreciate you all taking time to come to listen tonight. You all have a wonderful time, and I'm going to ask you when I see you, what are you putting into practice?